0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And and wherever you're watching from, I wanna say a big, big welcome. If you're a part of the Crossroads family, man, I love that we get to gather together. And we do that all over. Uh, Right now, uh, a bunch of people are watching outside on the patio, man, love you guys. So excited you're with us. Uh, Somebody in South Africa, somebody in Austria. Uh, We're watching people in Ireland, all across the United States. And we get to be a family together. But no matter who you are, no matter where you are, I have a feeling if you got really honest, if you were able to stop and really contemplate your life, you would probably say, you know what, I've got a habit I want to break. I've got a habit that I'm battling against, that bad habit I want to put an end to. And what we've been sharing in this Breaking Bad Habits series really does help. And actually, I want to say this, it really works. It really works, but you got to work it. Uh, And and in particular, here's what I want to tell you is that uh, sometimes it's not just a bad habit. Sometimes it's a stronghold. And a stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you. And uh, it's spiritual in nature. It's supernatural in the battle you're fighting. So while I want to tell you what we're sharing works, I also want to tell you just straight up, that what you need to know is it's a battle. But if you do what we're asking you to do, do what God's calling for you to do, the highest likelihood is you can see the destruction of the stronghold, the breaking of the bad habit, freedom come in your life, where God will set you free. But you gotta do the work. You gotta do your part. God will partner with you. But God is a God who loves you so much that very often in these areas, most often in these areas, He wants you to actually put in the effort it takes to pay the price because you come out better on the other side. So just like with my kids, when I was raising my sons, I, I would I would if I would very seldom do everything for them. If I wanted them to learn math, I made them learn the math even though I sat there and I knew the solution. Why? Because they needed to do it for themselves. And God is a loving father who will stand with you. He'll empower you. He'll be encouraging for you, but he wants you to do the work. So what we saw is this. Uh, The first week, and by the way, All of this comes from Gideon. Uh, Even though these truths are taught throughout the Bible, uh, in the book of Judges, there's this man named Gideon, and Gideon was called to put an end to the bondage they were under. And so what did God tell him to do? He said, number one, I need you to demolish the stronghold. I need you to destroy the stronghold. That's the first thing you and I have to do. And if you go back to the first message, we teach about how to do that. But you need to see destruction happen. You get rid of the pills, you get rid of the alcohol, You shut down the device you might be looking at uh, that is having you view things you shouldn't do. Uh, You make an intentional effort to end the grudge, to put away the bitterness, or uh, to do whatever you need to do to get free. It could be overeating. Uh, It could be uh, um, the fact that, you know what, you have learned helplessness. Uh, I heard John Eldredge say this recently, he's never seen it like this before that people are suffering from profound hopelessness. Now, you know what is a lot of that, believe it or not, is neurological, but you can put an end to it by demolishing the stronghold. Uh, so go back to week one. Then what happens is God told Gideon, I want you to destroy the stronghold. I want you to build altars to me in its place. And as I studied the Bible, I believe there are three altars that you build to God, three three spiritual fruits that you actually emphasize in your life that helps you not only give up or it helps you defeat the stronghold, but also so you won't give up or give into it later because it's going to come back. It's going to try to come back in. So what is it that keeps you to have the resilience you need so that you don't give up and you don't give in? And the first one is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord We saw that the joy of the Lord gives you strength, strength so you don't give up, strength so you don't give in, Uh, and it makes your life incredible, and God believes one of the holiest things you and I need is his joy, and so holiness is actually defined as rejoicing in the Lord or having your joy in the Lord, but to have the joy of the Lord, you have to know the Lord, obviously, Uh, so, so if you're not right now in a place where you can honestly say, hey, I know Jesus, I know his love. I know God is my Abba Father. I really have a relationship with him that way. Well, then you need that. And, and so that's what you need to do. The most important thing is, is give your heart to Jesus, commit your life to Jesus, or recommit your life to Jesus, recommit your family to Jesus and, and, and your friendships to Jesus. And you know what? The joy of the Lord's gonna come, but you also need to invest in that. So the first altar you build is the joy of the Lord. The second altar you build is an altar of kindness where you are just a kind person and you have a loving, kind life. And and to me, that's one of the things that I want people to be actually addicted to. I want people to be hooked on kindness. Here's what I wanna tell you real quick again, is when you do kind things and when kind things are done to you uh, and you actually dwell on those, uh, neurologically, uh, your brain releases all these chemicals, and we're gonna talk about that more in a minute, that create joy in your life. So kindness, feeds the joy of the Lord, which gives you strength. And when you start having a life of kindness and a focus of kindness, you're far less likely to want to go to destructive things, harmful things, hurtful things. And obviously your relationships will be better uh, when you're a person of kindness. And so uh, we want you to be a kind person and, and to meditate on loving kindness, uh, on loving kindness of God to you and you to others and others back to you. And really, really spend time every day or, or at least once a week creating those feelings based on the memories of what happened and, and, and letting your body just experience it again through the feelings of it. So we want you to do that. So uh, kindness is something uh, that we want you to take hold of. And by the way, just to kind of remind you again, when you're someone uh, who is a kind person, you're practicing a Hebrew word, and I'm gonna get to this in a minute. So lean in, don't, don't tune me out. The Old Testament is written mainly in Hebrew and it's a Hebrew word, has said. Now that word is so deep. That word is so rich. That word is so complex. It could be translated uh, with different words, but all of them actually are the definition of said. And God gives you said. God wants to fill you with said. God wants you to live out said. And what is said? Well, it means kindness. It means loyalty. By the way, that's interesting. When you're kind, you're loyal. When you're loyal, you're kind. And then it also means loving kindness. And we know that when you actually are filled with this loving kindness, that your brain releases beta endorphins. And here's what's so interesting. You actually find a decrease in pain. So when you're kind and when you're loving, uh, the pain in your body actually begins to go down. There's a decrease in pain. It also causes you to release oxytocin, uh, which increases your bonding and trust. And you find yourself growing in your faith with God, your trust in God, and having more trusting relationships with others. And then it also allows you to experience another neurochemical, vasopressin, which creates bonding. So here's what I want to tell you is that neurologically in your brain, these chemicals are released and you feel more in love with God and more trusting with God, with greater faith in God and more bonded to God. And that also is true about others. Uh, you find yourself trusting others more. You find yourself uh, uh, bonding with others more. And then you find yourself having less pain in your body. And, and all these things happen because then God wants you to experience something that's healthy, that's healthy, a healthy relationships to give you a healthy body so you're not doing hurtful and harmful things. Which brings us now to the focus on the third altar we build joy of the Lord, kindness, love love. This is the greatest of all. This is the one that creates the highest level of motivation in your life to not give up, to not give in, to not allow the stronghold to come back and to live your life in a way where you're free. You're free. And and I want to tell you, I think pretty much everybody out there would say, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think almost every one of you would say, man, I, I want a life that's filled with love. I want to experience love. I want to give love. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to be empty. I want to be filled with love. But the problem we have is we live in a world today that doesn't understand love. They do not understand the chesed, which is the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, or get ready for this, in the New Testament, mainly written in Greek, and the Greek word is agape. And those can only be truly understood when you're experiencing a relationship with God. Now, by the way, let me just say that without any mitigation. I, I'm not holding back at all. I 100% can promise you the only way to really know said, the only real way to know agape, the only real way to know love is in a relationship with God. See, we learn love uh, in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places, but it's been poured upon you. Uh, it might be in books you read, but it wasn't really Christian books, so they didn't really talk about what love is like. It might be in, in media you watched, movies or TV shows or, or something you stream, but it has the wrong view of love. Uh, and what happens is it calls it love, but it's not love. It's counterfeit. Uh, uh, probably, without a doubt, one of the most talked about places where we find love is in music. I would say that the the number one theme in music, especially starting in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way till now, is love. Uh, Love would be the main theme of music. And yet many people believe that's where you're gonna learn about love. Uh, I I wanna show you this, get ready. There's a a girl and she has a a TikTok on social media, TikTok, and she's, oh, this girl's so talented. Like, wait till you hear her. She's so talented. And she's playing and singing love songs. But her father, he's in the background, and and he takes what she's singing literally. And so she's singing it, but when he hears the literal, it doesn't make sense to him. So you got to hear this. Okay, watch, watch, watch with me. Watch right now. about your bullets. <laughs> Magic bullet. Drink a smoothie, go to sleep. I have died every day waiting for you. You, you can only die once. Norman, don't be afraid. I loved you for a thousand years. A thousand? Love you, you a Come thousand again a thousand more. A thousand years. Average human life is 79 years. If you say 80, that means 12 and a half times. It's for 1,000, you're saying 2,000. 25 times the expectancy of the human life you have professed your love for one person. Are you chasing the paranormal? Is this an afterlife? Is this Bruce Willis movie type? Sixth Sense nonsense? Close the windows, enough. Scaring people now with these ghost stories. Okay, <laughs> okay, I love that. Is this a, like paranormal experience or whatever? And, and yeah, but the thing is, is you get, is the, the most love songs try to teach us the love's of feeling. And while there is a feeling to love, love is not the feeling. Uh, you get a feeling from love, but love itself is deeper. Love itself is more permanent. Love itself is impervious to the feeling that comes and goes. Love itself cannot be conquered by circumstances, cannot be taken away uh, by situations. And, and God wants you and I to know that. So what we're hearing in songs, what we're seeing, and a lot of the streaming that's going on, uh, this is not hissed. This is not agape. This is not love. And God wants you to know love. And when you know that love, here's why it's important— It is one of the greatest motivations that can help you break the bad and have the good to keep from giving up and giving in. It's one of the greatest motivations out there. And and one of the things God wants you to have is that kind of love. So by the way, where do you get it? You get it from him. But that love works in breaking the bad. I uh, was talking with a a man, a young married guy. And uh, what happened is he had a porn addiction And by the way, porn addiction is one of the toughest things to break. I I want to tell you, all addictive behavior is hard to break. Pornography is addictive, is destructive, and it's very, very hard to put an end to. It's possible. But this guy was addicted to porn. And then it happened. He stopped. And I was talking with them and I said, what was the turning point? What, was the, 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 what, was the, what tilted you over to have victory? And here's what he said to me. Uh, because we were in a class together uh, studying uh, uh, counseling. And one of the studies we began to research together, all of us together, was one that was done that shows when someone has porn addiction, that genetically changes them. And then when they have a child, they actually are passing genetically down to that child a predisposition to an addictive behavior. Now, I want you to think about that. Uh, the, the research is solid on that. And I might actually shock a lot of you. But this guy, when he's reading the research, he's like, I'm not just doing this to me. I'm not just harming my marriage. My kids are going to suffer because they were still planning on having children. And he thought, I don't want to do that to my kids. And so he stopped. He didn't even have his children yet. He already loved his children so much that that he stopped for them. He stopped for them. Love was the motivating factor that allowed him to get free from an addiction that was hurting and harming him, his wife, and his marriage. And and so I want you to know that's true. Uh, I have a friend. I love this guy. He's one of my favorite people in all the world. Uh, And when I first met him, he was 440 pounds. And, and he, we actually, he ate, I never saw anybody eat that much. And, and it was a joke that he ate that much. And it was, he actually made a joke about how big he was and how heavy he was. And, and, and it was part of what endured everybody to him. And then I remember I met his wife. Like, I got to tell you this. I, I was sitting in a chapel where I was going to speak and he and his wife, and I hadn't met her yet, were a couple of rows ahead of me. And all of a sudden she leans over and starts cuddling with him. and I'm like, what is this? And, and, and I, I just got to tell you, it was such a shock. Beautiful, beautiful, vivacious woman. And, and she just fell so in love with my friend's heart uh, that she married him because he had such a great heart and such a real commitment to Christ. And uh, one night he's laying in bed, they're, they're married now, they're, they're laying in bed together, and they had just had their first baby. And he wakes up, and she's next to his face, and she's trying to see if he's breathing. And he's shocked, he's startled, he comes out of it, and he goes, what's wrong? And she started crying. And she said, I'm so afraid you're going to die. She goes, I, I don't know how many nights I can't sleep because I'm just laying there thinking, I hope that's not the last breath you'll take. And he, f- realized, he realized how scared she was. He realized how his, his weight, his overeating was hurting her that badly and, and how much it's, it created fear in her. It scared her and he decided that's it. He had tried time and time and time again to get his overeating under control. He had tried time and time again to not be that person. But this was the moment. This was the tipping point. His love for his wife and his child and his God said, that's it. And, and I didn't see him for about six or eight months. And when I saw him, he was dramatically down in weight, and he's kept it off all this time. What was the motivating factor? Love, love, and, and when someone has love, it gives you an ability uh, uh, to do something that many people can't even imagine. And, and here's the thing, is, is it doesn't make it so, uh, so much of a, a pain. It's not that it's not a battle, it's not, not a struggle, but love overflows, love takes over. Um, we had a, back in February Beckett Cook with us, and Beckett is incredible. If you have never heard of Beckett Cook, I encourage you to to do some more research. He has an incredible book going to Amazon, and you could get that. Beckett is somebody who was uh, for for years, years and years and years, a part of the LGBTQI community. He he was a he was he practicing homosexual. Uh, he lived in that. He loved it. He thought there couldn't be a better lifestyle to have. He was making tons of money in Hollywood, and and doing design and stuff and then he met Jesus and Jesus changed him and uh he knew he and, and by the way if you didn't know this it's possible to leave that lifestyle and experience Freedom with Jesus Christ, and so God called for him to do that, and he did it. He did it in all these years. He's he's been able to to stay pure and and, and to stay with Jesus, and so he came and shared at Crossroads. And after he got it was it was done uh, preaching, uh, I had people coming up to me saying, "I don't know. Uh, he makes it sound like he's not missing anything. He makes it sound like he's not lonely. He makes it sound like you know he." And they, they were just, even these were Christians, mainly younger, uh, younger people, college age people. And they said, we just can't, from what we see on TV, what we see in the media is what they were saying. We can't even imagine that would be true. And so I was having Beckett on a podcast following his speaking, and I said, I'll ask him. And I did. I said, hey, the number one question I'm getting is, I, how, how could it be? How could you still be happy and, and, and not be able to have the sexual activity? And, and Beckett's answer was this. He goes, do they know Jesus? He goes, I don't, I mean, do they know Jesus? And one of his friends was there who also had come out of that lifestyle. And they were like, yeah, do they know the Lord? I mean, do they really know the love of God if they're asking that question? And I thought, wow, what an insight. What an insight. I want you to hear a little bit of the podcast with Beckett and, and listen to how he talks about this. Yeah, I mean, it's... And especially for me, kind of getting saved later in life and being in the dark for... so. When you're in the dark for so long and you finally are in the light, you're just like, oh my gosh, I've been starved to death for so many years. And so, yeah, I just... I'm truly... And I still, 10 years later, I'm still blown away by the fact that God saved me and that he is real and exists and by the fact that I'm in his kingdom. I mean, I'm just every day I just wake up and I'm like, I can't believe I'm, I know the living God. Like that's insane. And so I love, I love it. So I late, you could go back and watch the podcast, the whole thing, but what he said is this, and, and he kept talking about it is I know the living God he saved me. I know his love. And, and he goes, I'm not lonely. I'm not lonely. I have God. I have Christian family. And, and he goes, do people know what that's like? And, and one of the things I have to wonder sometimes is, do they, do they, do they know what it's like? Do they really understand what it's like? Paul says that when you know the love of God, it controls you, it compels you, and it motivates you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, for the love of Christ controls us, No, no, not in a bad way, a good way. You're so in love with God. That love fills you so much. It takes over. It controls you. And Paul said, having concluded this, that one died for all, that Jesus died for all of us, therefore all died. And he, Jesus, died for all. Look at the so that. So that. Why did he die? Before I read it. If I were to ask you, why did Jesus die for you? Why did he give his life for you? Why did he show that kind of love for you? He did it so that what? So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. So that love, that love of God gives you such motivation to live for Jesus that that you can do anything, you can overcome anything, you can say no to anything and the the key is, make sure you've got that love. Make sure you're filled with that love. Uh, This particular passage is New American. Let me show you the same passage in the message. It says, Christ's love has moved us to such extremes. Uh, I love that. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. By the way, that's what I'm trying to talk to you and I about. That how you overcome the bad, how you conquer the hurtful, it is from this focused center that one man died for everyone. And that puts everyone in the same boat. He said, you know what? You and I needed his love. We needed his sacrifice. We needed his death on the cross. We need cleansing from shame. We need to break bad. We need to get to the good. And and everybody's in that same boat. But Jesus' love moves us to such extremes that it's like, yeah. And, And that's what you start realizing when you get around Christians who really know God and are really filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'm getting ready to do a whole series on being filled with the Holy Spirit but you start watching them live with an extreme love for God, an extreme joy in life. They live with such extreme, why? Because God's that good, God's that great. Like Beckett said, you know what? How do you you even talk about that once you know the love of God? Uh, By the way, Francis Chan, who by the way is one of my favorite pastors and and written incredible books and and, and man, that guy can speak. Francis Chan one time said something and I I just sat there thinking about it. He said, he goes, he got really animated and passionate. He said, if you, if you, the people I care about, if you really knew how much Jesus loved you, then you would live for him. He goes, that's what it comes down to. What it really comes down to is do you know that love? Do you know his love? Are you filled with his love? Are you experiencing his love? He goes, then if you did, you couldn't live any other way than in his love. And I think he's right. I think he's really nailed something there. That's why I want to go back to how the message uh, talks about uh, this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 14. And it says, uh, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from that focus center. That he died for you, he died for me. So we have to live for him. And you guys, I just wanna tell you, the love is really that incredible. The love is really that amazing. This is a big one, get ready. The love is really that real. It's really that real. And that's why I want you to know that. I want you to experience it, because God loves you. Jesus couldn't love you more than he does. No matter how much bad's in your life, how much hurt you've caused, how, how low you've gotten, he never gives up on you. He always wants you. And as long as you can take a breath, it's never too late to come to know that love and live in that love. And God's great desire is that you would have that. Uh, uh, by the way, we know that when that kind of love is real to you, it changes you physically. <laughs> That's what I get so amazed at. A 2005 study done in the United States and the United Kingdom Uh, was also uh, taken up again in China in 2011. So it's a psychological research study done in 2005 in the United States and in England, but then it was repeated in China. Now, why is that important? It it shows that this is cross-culturally true. By the way, it's also cross-time true. So what we're talking about is all time, all places, all cultures, all people. Why? Because one God made us all. One God made us all. And what they found is when you have what is called a first love, when you're in the stages of of really experiencing love, that the reward and motivation center of your brain operates at a higher level. In other words, neurologically, they can see how your brain's moving in that time. And and that's when it happens again. We talked about when you're kind and experience kindness, which is the said and has to do with love, the dopamine's released. Well, they found when you're in a love situationship, that dopamine's even at a higher level, a higher level, and you feel better, and here's something else. You're more sensitive. You're more sensitive. Uh, uh, Emotionally, but also physically, you can actually feel more when you touch when you're in love. You can hear more. You can smell better. Your senses operate better uh, when you're in love when you're in love. And so God created you to live that way. And, and this, this interesting thing is the people who were studied in England and the United States and China all had the same physical neurological experiences and emotional experiences. It, it just crossed cultures. And Jesus said something interesting. Jesus is talking to a church, the Ephesian church, but it's a, a church, it's a group of Christians And he said, I've got a problem with you guys. All the things you got right aren't really going to matter because you're missing the most important thing. And in Revelation chapter two, verse four, he says this. He says, but I have this against you. And he's writing this to Christians that you have left your first love. First love. Uh, that love you feel that takes over. That love you feel where you can't think of anything else. That love you feel so that's all you talk about. Have you ever been around somebody who's fallen in love and that's all they can talk about? That's all they can get out? And and, and they just are so, so overwhelmed. Their hearts are so filled. It takes over their mind. And Jesus said, but you don't love me like that anymore. Now, when he says this, a couple things I want you to think about. One is it's possible not to have first love. He didn't say you don't love me at all, but you just don't love me with that first love, that passion. And and so here's what I want to ask you right now. Maybe you're a Christian. Do you love him with a first love? Do you love him first? Do you love him most? Do you love him with passion? And, And some of you might say, oh, come on, Chuck, you know, that can't last. Well, Jesus is saying it can last. And I want to say this, I am not perfect. Oh my goodness, I'm not perfect. Guys, I am not perfect. I don't even pretend that I am. But you know what I have? First love. I believe that if you and I could stand before the Lord our God face to face, and you said, does Pastor Chuck really love you with the first love? I think Jesus would say, yes, he does. He does. And i I've been in love with the Lord uh, since 1975. Oh uh, well, the, and I, I've been in love with the Lord since 1975. And um, I love Him more today than I've ever loved Him before. By the way, I can tell you this too. I love my lo- wife today more than I've ever loved her before too. Uh, and today's her birthday. Today's her birthday. When I'm sharing this, Happy birthday, Pam! I could not love you more than I do. And it's just grown and grown and grown and grown. Here's what I wanna tell you. That is not only possible, it's probable when you are allowing God to fill you with this love and then you go and give love back to God and go give love back to others. Uh, and and it's it's not just an emotion, It there's motion to it. And so if I were to look at you and say, right now, are you in a first love relationship? And you say, no, I'm not. What do I need to do? Jesus actually tells that church, you gotta get the motion back to get the emotion <coughs> the emotion back. And so you need to do it. So do you know that love? Are you filled with that love? If so, then I think you have a motivation that will help you give up the, the bad, demolish the stronghold, and not give up or give into it again. Uh, in Ephesians 3.14, it says this, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So why does Paul pray He said, I'm on my knees praying for you. What's the reason he's praying for him?" He goes, from whom every family on heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Now, I want you to see this. See, love gives you that strength that strength uh, in the, with his power through his spirit in the inner man. Do you want resilience? Do you want resolve? Do you want inner strength? Paul says, that's what I'm praying you're going to have. Now, here's why. So that, whenever so that, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, I'm going to stop there. He's writing to Christians. And he said, I want Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. But if you know theology, if you know the Bible, you'll go, well, wait a minute. If I have faith in Jesus then, and I believe in him and I genuinely believe in him and have a loving trust in him, then he is going to dwell in my heart. But so why would Paul write that about Christians? Here's why. The word dwell in the Greek doesn't mean just to live. It means to be at home, to be at home at. Have you ever like been uh, in a place where you were staying, but you didn't feel at home? Anybody, you ever have that happen where maybe you were in someone's house, you didn't feel at home, or you were staying with them for a couple of weeks and you were counting down the days till you could get out because you didn't feel at home? Have you ever had that happen? Well, you know what is, is there's a big difference between being in a dwelling and really being at home. Um, if you were to stay with Pam and I, our goal would be for you to feel at home. Uh, uh, Pam and I, uh, a while back, were hosting in our home uh, uh, a singles life group. Oh, man, I love that group of people. It was awesome. All you guys are so cool. But one of my goals was for everybody to feel at home. And the first, when they came, they didn't. Like, you know, they would, I'd go, you guys want something to drink? And they'd go, yeah, I said, go get it. And they'd look at me like, I'm not going to open your fridge. And I wanted them. I wanted them to open the fridge. I wanted them to feel at home. And over the course of time, it started happening for most of them. But if that group of people were at our house and Pam and I got into an argument, scream, yell, which we don't do anymore. But if we did that, you know what? You wouldn't feel at home. Uh, If Pam and I started making out in front of them. (laughs) All right, go ahead, put it in the chat. Gross, gross. Anyway, uh, that, that you wouldn't feel at home. So you know what? Paul said, man, I'm praying That you'll be strengthened with might in the inner man so that you don't have a stronghold there that doesn't make Jesus feel not at home. See, it's very possible, I'm gonna talk to Christians right now, that you could be a Christian, but you've got things in your heart, things in your mind, things in your life, and Jesus doesn't like it. And he doesn't feel at home. And one of the reasons you wanna break the stronghold and one of the great motivations to not have it in your life is so he will feel at home. And then he goes on this, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And then he says this, and to know what? The love of Christ, what surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, that you may be filled up to the fullness, that it may overflow. And he said, I want you to know the, the volume of God's love, the height, the width, the depth, the length. I want you to know it. And he said, when you do, you're strengthened with might in the inner man and, you ready? That's why we're talking about breaking the bad and we're talking about love. And this word is, by the way, agape love, uh, which is the highest form of love that God wants you to have. And so God wants that with you and God wants that for you. And that kind of love moves you to action. That kind of love makes you wanna do something to the extreme. Again, I'm gonna go ahead and read this again from the message. Don't don't lose it, hang in with me. And, And here's what Paul says. My response is to get down on my knees before the father, this magnificent father who parcels out all of heaven and earth. And I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. Did you grab that? A glorious inner strength. So you can break the bad, then you don't give up and give in when it comes back. And he goes on to say this, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him, that both, uh, I, I, and I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ, his love. Reach out and experience the breath. By the way, that's what I'm talking about. Reach out and experience the breath. Test his length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God man, I want that for you. Jesus wants that for you. Oh, let me tell you, right this moment, he could not love you more than he does. And he wants you to know that love. He wants you to live in that extravagant dimensions of his love that almost nobody can understand, but it can. It can be experienced. It can be experienced. And I want that to be there for you And that love of Jesus helps break the stronghold. Let me give you an example of that. So if it's a stronghold of selfishness, he'll give you servanthood and selflessness. If it's a stronghold of pride, he'll give you humility. If it's a stronghold of anger, he'll give you kindness. If it's a stronghold of bitterness, he'll fill you with forgiveness. And all of a sudden you're living differently and you're living better and you're living in a set free way that God wants for you. And love is that motivation and that power and that inner strength that gets you there. So love means that you'll be selfless, humble and forgiving. Wow, think about this. If you were selfless, humble and forgiving, would people wanna be around you? I, I wanna say I, for, without a doubt, you, you would be drawing people to you. Uh, uh, we love being around people who are selfless. We love being around people who are humble. We love being around people who are forgiving, who don't make us pay. Do you want to have a great marriage? Man, be filled with the love of Christ so you're selfless, humble, and forgiving. You want to be a great parent? Then, then give yourself to the love of Christ. You want to be a great friend? All you who are single out there, do you want to have great, great friendships? man, give yourself to God. Let his love fill you, let it overflow. Why? Because love is greater than all. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest is love. Love, Jesus said, is more important than all. Uh, um, A lawyer came to test Jesus and to ask him a question. And the question was this, What is the greatest commandment? Or what is God's greatest expectation for us or greatest desire for us? And in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, here's what it said. Jesus answered and said, the foremost is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. That's number one, that you love God with everything you have, that you love God with everything you have. And then he goes in this, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He goes, there's no other commandment greater than these. It comes down to love. Loving God first and most and loving others. By the way, if you love God first and most, you'll love others better. And God wants you to know that. And, and so the Bible teaches that love is, is more, the highest uh, of anything you could have. Love is the most important thing you can have. Ready for this? Love is the most powerful thing you can have. Song of Solomon, chapter eight, verse seven says this. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. Love can't be quenched. Love can't be drowned. Love can't be exterminated. See, that's why it's not just a feeling. If I really love God, I'm not gonna fall out of love with him. It's permanent. If I really love my wife, Pam, I'm going to love her when she acts the way I want her to. And and I'm going to love her when she doesn't. Uh, Pam is going to love me if she really loves me when I'm on my best and when I'm at my worst. And by the way, I have a wife who does that. Sad to say, I've put her through the test too many times and she's always passed the test. It's not good I put her through it. Do you know what it's like, how incredible it is, how amazing it is to live with somebody who doesn't make you pay. Who, uh, when the time of testing comes, their love is greater than your, your weakness. And that's made me better and made me stronger. And man, I love that. She does that for me. She does it for our kids and she does it with Jesus. My wife loves the Lord. My Matter of fact, I can tell you this. If, if we were all standing before Jesus face to face and the question was, does Pam love, love you with the first love? The Lord would say, oh, for sure, for sure. So we need to have that kind of love. So as we get ready to hit into our closing time, let's talk about how you get that love. How do you get the love that is that important and that powerful, that that, that passion and that pervasive? And, and here's number one. Number one, you can't manufacture it. You've got to receive it from God. So number one is God fills our hearts with love. So that's what I want you to know. God fills our hearts with love. And so you've got to go to God. You've got to open up to God. you got to say yes to God. And, and that's where it happens. Uh, in Romans chapter five, verse five, it says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Uh, Here's what I want to tell you is that when you, this is you, this is you, And imagine that's you, and what happens is you're ready to say yes to God and his love. And God loves you, but his love's out here. And and he's like, but I want the love in you. I want the love for you. I want you to open up to this love. And by the way, right now, some of you need to do that. Some of you need to say yes to God's love. Some of you need to open up to God's love, because he loves you. The only thing stopping you from having it is you. And the Bible says, what do you do? You pray. And you say to the Lord, I, I wanna give my life to you. I wanna be yours. Uh, by the way, for love to be love, listen to this, this is really important. For love to be real, you need two things. One is you have to choose it. It has to, that's why God doesn't make you do it. God lets you choose. Love requires choice and love requires commitment. So if you're gonna have real love, if you're gonna have real love for God and for others, you've gotta choose to have the love. It's a choice. And it's also a commitment. you got to have a commitment. And so the Lord says to you, I love you. Will you choose my love? And and that's what you do. And so you tell him, yes, Uh, God offers it to you. And and the way you begin to experience his love is what? You, You actually pray a prayer and you say yes to God. You open up your heart to him. Or for some of you, you need to recommit your heart to him. But you got to actually say, I choose that, Lord. I choose your love. I choose life with you. But then you also have to have a real commitment. And when you pray that prayer and you mean it and you commit your life to him, what happens is God pours his Holy Spirit in you and God pours his love in you. And what happens is he fills you with his love. And, and so you experience the filling of God's love. So how do you get this love that that's powerful, that gives you inner strength, that that is more important than all? Well, you open up your heart to the Lord and, and you let him fill you with this love. You let him do it. By the way, in a moment, I'm gonna invite some of you to pray a prayer with me where you can say yes to God and you can open up. By the way, some of you out there right now start praying for people to say yes because he wants it for you. Right now, Do you realize the life God wants you to live, the love he wants you to have, the the reality of the relationship he wants it to be? Well, you need to pray that prayer. And then by the way, you need to show you mean it, that it's a real commitment by texting amen to 69922. So what happens is I'll lead you in that prayer. We'll pray it together, either to pray for the first time or to recommit or to find freedom from something, to find healing. Maybe you need it for you alone. Maybe you need it for your relationship, your marriage, your family, your friendships. But it all starts by really praying the prayer, making the choice and and making a genuine commitment. So however you can text us, do it. Text AMEN to 69922. uh, Message us and let us know. And then we're gonna get back to you. And we want you to interact with us because we want the commitment to be real, but we also wanna walk with you in it. We wanna help you with it. But, but here's what I want to tell you is cool. God doesn't just fill you with His love. See, that's the first part of the commitment that you would love God with everything and 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 with all of who you are, but God wants you to have that love overflow. So through the power of the spirit, he fills you to now, it just comes out of you. It's overflowing in your life. And, and here's what's really cool. We're gonna do a whole series on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's filling of the Spirit happens repeatedly. So at times that you need it, he just pours more in and more in and more in. So it just keeps coming out and it keeps going. And I wanna ask you, is that the overflowing life that you're experiencing? And the only way to get this love is from him. That's why I said early on that this idea of the hesed, the Hebrew word for love, this idea of the agape, the Greek word for love, this idea of love, our our English word for love, comes when you really love God. So the most important thing you can do is, is open up to him so he'll fill you with the love. Now I'm gonna give you number two in a minute, but I wanna stop right now and ask you, let's don't go on unless you know the love. Right now, I'm going to lead that prayer. Right now, I want you to pray it with me. And again, I want to tell you something happens when you say the words and you mean it, where you make the choice and you make the commitment. And you're committing your life to the Lord because he committed his life to you. Jesus loves you so much, he died for you. And he wants to fill you with that love. Some of you right now are feeling empty. Get filled with God's love. Some of you are feeling lonely. Let God's love fill you. Some of you right now are, are not even aware of, like Beckett said earlier, I showed you, he goes, man, how would it feel to wake up and to know the love in a very real way? And it'll give you the inner strength. It'll give you the motivation. It'll give you the transformation. Just pray the prayer. Pray the prayer with me right now right now. I'm going to lead it. I'm going to ask you to whisper it. By the way, you can pray it again, just you and I. Uh, you could pray it with someone else. Like, let's do it together. Uh, if you're married, you could put Jesus, the center in your marriage. If right now you want to break that bad, this is the most important moment to do it. So for the first time, to recommit, to find healing from hurt and pain. Maybe you got some things from your past that are plaguing you. Let God's love take over. Let God's love bring healing. Maybe right now you're, you're afraid. Let God's love give you that, that courage, that inner strength. This is the moment. And it's from him to you and you can't get it any other way. So I'm gonna lead that prayer right now. I'm gonna lead it right now. If you're ready to say yes to God, I'm gonna ask you to pray it with me. I'm gonna ask you to open your heart to him. So right now, let me pray for you. First, for Father, I pray. And, and I pray along with a lot of other Christians right now who are praying for people to come to know you for people to experience your love, that feeling's gonna come and the feeling will come when it does but the filling's more important. And God, I pray right now that, that there's some men out there who are ready to open their hearts to you. And, and now they're gonna become men of God and they're become men filled with love and, and life. I pray for a guy who feels like his life's on hold and he can't seem to move forward. And, and he just feels like he doesn't even know what to do next. And, and a lot of people have all these expectations of him, but he just feels like he's stalling out. This is his moment and his time to open his heart to you and and be filled with your love and find life and find guidance. Father, I pray for a a man who uh knows he he's not being the father or the husband he should be in his family. And if he got real honest at this moment, he's not sure he even loves them. And he doesn't even know if they love him and and he just doesn't like it. Oh, that's a, that's a not even the right words to say it's worse than that. I pray he's gonna open his heart and, and pray this prayer. I pray God for a, 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 some people out there who are single and, and Lord they're feeling like they're not gonna find love and, and I pray right now they're gonna open their hearts to you so you can not only give love to them but bring them to a place where they experience love. So for anybody right now who needs this, a child who feels unloved by their family, a wife who feels unloved by her husband, a person who's done horrible things in their life and aren't sure that they deserve love, but they do because you made them. Right now, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Nothing matters more than this. And if you're ready to do it, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, pray this prayer with me and open your heart to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and you'll cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that would hold me back or hold me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours, I pray you'll make me alive, and I pray you'll make me brand new. (laughs) And here's the words, I say yes. If that's all you can pray, pray those words. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus name amen. And if you pray that prayer, praise God. We are so excited for you. And and please text us amen to 69922. But that's the beginning. And that's where love comes from. And that's where it happens. So the number one place you get love is by opening your heart to God and letting him pour his love in you. So it comes from him to you to others. Number two, number two, here's what you do. God teaches us to love. So once your heart is filled with God love, God teaches you how to go out and use that love and do that love and and give that love in ways that are meaningful. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9, it says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other for God himself has taught you to love one another. Um, God does that. God does that. It says, indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. See, here's what happens. When, I, when I'm when i filled with God's love and I go give it to my wife, Pam, that God pours more in and I get more love. It, it's a cycle. Just like there's a blessing cycle, there's a love cycle. And so when I go pour love onto my grandkids, that love grows even more. When I go pour love on my friends, the love grows even more. And so it's as God teaches us to love. And, and one of the things that I think is so true, I heard this before from somebody, is that the world, the world which doesn't understand love, they see love as what we call sniper love. That's where, you know, I have a sniper rifle and I kind of go, well, oh, can I look out there and I scope out and I decide that one person I'm going to love or a few people I'm going to love. So it's almost like, no, nope, not love them, don't love them. Don't, oh, no, love them. Ooh, love them a lot, don't love them. And, and, and that's how the world is, but that's not real love. Our love is like radar love. Uh, a radar signal just goes out and when it hits something, it bounces off of it and comes back. And so if I'm a Christian filled with God's love, when I go out, uh, everybody I encounter, I see them as valuable and I see them as important. And I see them as someone Jesus died for. And, and, and I, if they're a Christian, especially, I see them as family. And so when I go out there, it's like this just love goes out. And if you get in my presence, you're going to get loved. And that's how God teaches you to love and you just go out letting him guide you, show you, and your love gets better, your love gets stronger, your love gets more. Then number three, you need to evaluate your life to see if love is a priority. I want you to think about this one. Is love the priority? See, a lot of people are probably sitting there going, wait, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm not breaking that bad habit. Well, this, these two I'd probably ask you about. Are you letting God teach you to love and is it a priority in your life? Uh, and it may be that right now your job's a higher priority. It may be your own happiness is a higher priority. It may be uh, that you're selfish. I'm not trying to be mean, but you're selfish, and that's more of a priority. Uh, it may be that your pleasures more of a priority. But look at what it says in First Peter, in First Peter chapter four, verse eight. It says, "Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another." Because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, above all, above all. That's what God wants you and I to do. So is it a priority? And I'm gonna challenge you to do something this week. Make love the priority. Make love the priority. Right now, maybe you could take time to write down the list of people who are in your life and show love to them in some way. You could pray a prayer and say to God, when I begin to go out, I'm going to show love to people today. And then at night, journal. God, this is how I loved in your name. Make love the priority. You know why? God made you a priority. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to experience everything from him. And that's what God wants for you. So right now, I wanna tell you, praise God that we were together. Uh, I hope that you find God helping you break the bad and only experience the good. I'm hoping right now that God's moving in your life in a great way. Uh, And if you haven't done it yet, Pray that prayer and say yes to God or pray that prayer and recommit to God. But make sure uh, and text us, amen to 69922. And I wanna tell you something. God couldn't love you more than he does. God couldn't love you more than he does. And so make sure that we get to connect together and interact together so we can share together in the great love of God and the great things he has for you. And for all of you who've texted in already, praise God for you right now. Praise God. Uh, Matter of fact, put it in the chat. A bunch of people texted in. Praise God for those who said yes to him.